Hey guys, welcome back to the Harmonics Podcast. We have a very special show for you this week. I know that we say that every once in a while, and those times were all lies. This is the really important show. Uh, we have some very special guests, starting with Christine. I'm not a special guest. No? No, I'm a standard guest. No. Okay, well, standard guest. Standard then. guest. So the, the special guests this week are our own Alex Rigopoulos. Hello, everyone. And Eric Brocious. Hello, everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else. Uh, so, Eric, you've been in the room with us before recording several past episodes. I'm a silent partner. Silent partner, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, if people want to go back... Silent but deadly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we should build them on this episode. We've got the credits lined up already. Write that down. <laughs> uh, so, if people want to go back and listen to past episodes, the ones that sound best, those are the ones that you record, oh, okay. correct? Yeah, we'll yeah. go with that. Okay. That's good. Cool. Uh, and, uh, and Alex, we don't know if we've had you on the show before, so this may be your very first appearance. It may be. Maybe. Well, we are, we are grateful, grateful for your time. Um, how about for, for the, the, the off chance that there are people listening who do not know you by name and by reputation, uh, how about you introduce yourself to the listeners? Oh, uh, I am the uh, co-founder of Harmonics. I've now been doing this for 20 years. Um, and actually, after 19 years of running the company, uh, about um, about five or six months ago, I finally handed the, the reins uh, over to someone else, to Steve Janiak. And so now I am the company's chief creative officer, and I get to have a lot more fun focusing my time and energy on the actual games that we're making. That sounds pretty awesome. It is. So does the business card business card just say more fun now? Is that the, the yes, main Yes, I don't even need to have business cards anymore. That's the <laughs> beauty of my new job. That's pretty awesome. Uh, we'll have to have you back on later to talk more about some of the awesome things that you are currently working on. I would love to do that. Uh, for right now, though, uh, we wanted to take a chance to talk about some rock band stuff because we actually just realized that this week is the seventh anniversary of the release of Rock Band 1. It is. Could not believe it. No, that seems so, so long ago. And it wasn't until someone tweeted it at me. And I know that, the, like, they all fall so close together. Like, we kind of have the string, like, from 9-9. Like, we've got the Beatles anniversary, and then, like, Rock Band 2 and Rock Band 3 came in late October. Uh, and so they all just kind of, like, they glom together in my mind as this weird, like, autumnal celebration of Rock Band stuff. Oh, no. He's here. He's uh, here. The podcast room. Yeah. Scrap, <laughs> scrap everything. Uh, we were having such a good time. He can't even Pope get into the up. room without causing trouble. caught on the door. Jeez. This is going to end poorly. Yeah. So, apologies <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> We've just been joined by Eric Pope. Hi, what mic should I use? All of them. Omnidirectional. We're good? We are Omni. This is a little bike room. Eric Brosh is an audio maverick. Yeah, right? Just talk and the mics will pick it up. That's right. (laughs) We didn't know they could do that. (laughs) (laughs) What did I miss? Uh, Well, we introduced our guests. Great. Uh, You already know who they are. Uh, uh, And we are talking about Rock Band. A little little title known. I remember Rock Band. Do you remember Rock Band 1? I do. This week is the seventh anniversary of Rock Band 1. So Rock Band 1 came out the week that I interviewed to work here. Wow. And so I think I interviewed on, <laughs> I think I interviewed on a Friday, uh, and it came out Tuesday. Or maybe I interviewed on a Thursday. I remember I had, I had one day to play it, and I basically powered through, I think I pulled an all-nighter, trying to play the entire set list so I had a full oh, context geez. 
of what the game was before my interview. <laughs> and so, like, by the time I interviewed, I was exhausted, but I at least knew what the game was. Uh, I had obviously played, like, GH2. We were all exhausted by that point, so <laughs> no one noticed. I'm sure. uh, I came in with the entire opposite strategy where I had no familiarity with any Guitar Hero games, had not played Rock Band. I came in six weeks after the release of Rock Band, so everyone at Harmonix was still kind of like, totally giddy, like riding that high of the launch, uh, and I came in willfully ignorant. I was like, I don't know any of these games, I've not played any of this game, uh, and uh, somehow still managed to sneak my way in. So, apologies. Yeah, by all that. accounts, Aaron should not work here. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say in your interview you hadn't played a game since the uh, Super Nintendo? I had an N64, oh, okay. Eric. I would appreciate it if you didn't. <laughs> That's what all of Aaron's coworkers tell us week in and week yeah. out. Yeah. This is not the forum for this conversation. <laughs> We're trying to talk about him for years. <laughs> he still shows up every day. Uh, what uh, what stands out most in your mind uh, about the uh, the launch of Rock Band. Actually, my most vivid memory of launch week for Rock Band one seven years ago was just terror. <laughs> like I, I was just incredible. So we, you know, we had been working very hard on the game for like a year and a half, and we were launching it, and it was the, the game was going to cost 170 bucks with like the drum kit and everything in the package. So it was going to be this giant box with a really expensive price tag. And meanwhile, you know, our former creation, uh, Guitar Hero, was uh, now uh, in the hands of Activision, and they were releasing Guitar Hero 3. And Activision, I mean, those guys are very good at what they do, mm -hmm. and they were releasing it with a huge marketing budget and uh, a lot of noise. And, you know, like, we kind of bet the farm on, on Rock Band at this point, and really none of us had any idea whether anyone was going to show up to buy this $170 video game that we had made. So it was a fairly white-knuckle period. I mean, the reviews had started showing up, and the reviews were, like, really positive, so that was reassuring. And there were a lot of other kind of positive signs from people who had played it, but still, you know, asking people to spend having 170 bucks on a video game is a tough proposition, and we just didn't know. So... We were all pretty terrified. So fear is your memory. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Like I don't. There was never like a a, a moment of celebration either because we we like launched it and then like thank God like the early sales numbers were were like encouraging. They were positive. So that was like a huge relief. But then we were immediately into the. Oh my God! We don't have a good store. We need to sell all this DLC, mm -hmm. but we don't have a store, so we have to patch in a store. Let's and and the, fir the first parties like have no idea. It's like we want you want to publish how many pieces of DLC? We're like yeah. dozens. Like every week, and they thought we were crazy. So then we were like scrambling to do that, and then of course Guitar Hero was doing really well, yeah. also. And so we were already like working on Rock Band Two, and then you know we figured we had to raise the bar by next holiday, and blah blah blah. It was just like basically nonstop terror. <laughs> when it still wasn't, it still wasn't available internationally for weeks after no, release. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was months. My, my first project when I started, I started in QA, was Rock Band One eFigs. Yeah, yeah, so, no, I came in for yeah. customer support, um, <laughs> and so, like, my first few weeks were, like, hundreds of emails from Canadians, livid, <laughs> and they had to cross the border to get a bundle. So I wanted to ask, so you at least were part of all the business discussions uh, while cultivating this fear, <laughs> but I want to know, for Eric, you had been in games for, for a while at this point, but... Like, how crazy was it to you? Like, what was your, your faith level that this $170 game would take off the way that it did? Uh, well, let's see. Um, 
I think that was helped by the fact that when we put Guitar Hero out a little while earlier, I was kind of skeptical about that because yeah. being a snobby, actual real guitar player, <laughs> I was like, who's going to buy this stuff, right? And then we made it, it was actually super fun, and then we put it out. So I had a little bit more faith that we could, you know, make the band thing work. I was a little bit nervous about, although maybe not as keenly aware as Alex was, of the, you know, the price and whether people are going to shell out, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was also nervous that, well, music fans buy this who are not necessarily gamers because then they might have to shell out for the console right. and the giant expensive bundle, and that's a lot of money. And, yep. uh, but I don't know. We, we, I think by the time the, the thing was getting ready to, uh, you know, it was in beta and we knew it was coming, you know, things were going, we knew it was a really great game. So right. uh, from a gameplay point of view, I was pretty confident that... Uh, that it was pretty kick-ass. So. Yeah. The other thing I, I actually clearly remember from that time, a, a few months earlier when we were finishing development, was that you know in the earlier Guitar Hero games we had been doing all of the, the re-records uh, with yeah. Wake Group and whatnot, and this was the first time we were working with the original multi-tracks. That's right. So we were getting these original multis in-house for these like incredible rock songs, and actually just being able to listen to the isolated multi-tracks and yeah. play around with them like was just magical at that time and it actually made the game feel a way that it hadn't previously actually yeah, agreed yeah. totally and that uh, was that sort of gratifying for you too is like had you done audio production stuff for bands previous to uh, if you're asking if I ever got my hands on who stems before <laughs> no you didn't see who albums no no but didn't you ended up having to do a lot of the mixing for what ended up in rock band no we did a lot of yeah. uh, we did some uh, yeah we did I mean we we um, for a lot of, a lot of the stuff we actually because we did a lot of old songs that were on two inch tape right? right so we don't have a we don't have a two inch tape machine here or the <laughs> facilities so of course we have the record label what we'd hire an engineer with a, with a giant professional studio and they would do all that kind of stuff and then most of the time they would bounce out mixes that were pretty good you know for what we needed and we just took them in and massaged them to fit our, our game you know so uh, we didn't have to do we didn't like we weren't remixing the who from scratch <laughs> luckily we had other people do that but it was very exciting but yeah, but whenever i would yeah. tell my friends oh we got Deep Purple stems in, or, you know, one of my favorites, which Alex knows, or Who stems, or someone like that. Mm -hmm. My friends are, I gotta come over and listen. I'm like, well, no, you can't. <laughs> you probably could have let them, but you, you were like, that was like your kingdom. Yeah, you go were, back then, yeah, yes, very precious about it. Well, I have, I have a pretty, like, strong memory, so sort of classic harmonic story. My interview process probably took four or five months until I actually got here. So while I was like in it, and I'd be emailing back and forth with Luke a lot, and, um, I was buying the DLC as it came out, and I, my favorite band is The Clash, and I remember one of the early DLC songs was a Clash song, and I was like, man, somewhere in that building, they have the, the separated pieces of some of my favorite songs. <laughs> and like, that is why Eric had a safe. Yep. <laughs> he kept right. all of the multi-tracks in. <laughs> so cool. So you have to remember that this, uh, it was pretty new. Now, this stuff has been out for a while, but major labels, they hadn't really done this before. They would they were used to licensing their masters. They'd license the stereo track, which you have on a CD or a record, uh, to a commercial. They, they were not used to going in there, remixing the song, and providing us the, all the pieces. So they were all extremely nervous about this kind of stuff. And we were, we went to great lengths to try to, you know, just... You know, we had dedicated servers, which only certain people in the company were allowed to have access to, and we did actually, we, and still do have a safe where we, you know, put <laughs> stuff in. Wow. 
I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a you secret harmonic suit. No, no, it's in a secret Only location. Heather location. And, my, and myself know the combination. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you, if you get hit by a bus, we're going to need dynamite to get access to the multi 50 years from now, whoever the Geraldo of the future is. Exactly. It might end up being a valuable archive because, it, it, interestingly, you know, for the more modern recordings, like in the sort of digital era, the multi-tracks were generally conveniently available, but for a lot of the classic stuff we were going after, yeah. these like analog tapes would be in like some dusty cardboard box in a closet somewhere, and people like often it would take months for them to even locate the yeah. tapes, let alone do the sort of remixing work necessary That's for, right. for the game. You know, and they would the tapes would be you know tapes from the '80s are old, mm -hmm. and you know you have to. They don't work right. You have to bake them. You put them in an oven for like eight hours, and you bake them at a low temperature, and that, that makes them work again. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, you could be messing with me. Yeah. I wouldn't know. But okay. The tape gets very, when it's stored, sort of wrapped up like that, it becomes brittle over time, and if you actually try to play it without baking it, the, the, it'll just And the two apart. layers, there's there's like a, an oxide, there's two layers of it, right? And they, they start to come apart. Like, the glue wow. that holds them together, when it gets moist, starts to go. So you put them on a machine, and it starts to stretch and slip. Oh, and you fix this, and this is only you can only do this a couple times, and then you ruin the tape. But you you put it in like a convection oven at a low temperature for a long time, it completely dries it out, and then you can usually play it a couple times, which is enough for them to digitize it into a modern system so that they have it. So in some ways, That's I think we were doing the labels a lot of, of a, a lot of um, a, a, a good deal because uh, uh, because they were able to now archive these tapes. They were digitizing these tapes that we had asked for. And now they have copies of digitized version, versions of all these tools. Yeah, it was probably a nuisance for them at the time, but in fact, it was, you know, we Something now have digital multi-track archives yeah. of a lot of amazing yeah. material. That's actually one of my favorite parts about Rock Band, that kind of archival mentality, like yeah. both behind the scenes and then like in the game as well, that uh, GH1 and GH2 felt very much like greatest hits guitar songs, like the kinds of things that you would expect yeah. in a game that was solely focused on one instrument. Yeah. But Rock Band, like that the Outlaws, uh, that Greengrass and High Tides was <laughs> one of, like, the hardest songs in the game and, and is, like, not a very widely known the other song word. or band. <laughs> yeah, the other free word, right? Um, but but that, was, that was so cool that there was such a breadth of content on the disc and that it wasn't just, you know, the kind of the obvious hits, that there was, that there were harmonics bands, that there were kind of, yeah. like, lesser-known artists. Yeah. Oh, and every day when you come into work, like, you would battle just over these music discussions that w would end up with no real result. But, like, you can speak to that of, like, you have to defend your positions pretty strong, at least at least in, like, the heyday of rock band. Actually, is it funny that you mentioned that? Because just <laughs> this morning uh, I was harassing... <laughs> Eric about some music soundtrack choices. <laughs> You're one to two from occasion. I just, this is like this has got to be like the worst aspect of Eric's job. It's like yep. we're working on a soundtrack, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Alex is. I was driving in, <laughs> and on the radio I heard this song. And, and therefore, it should be in the game. <laughs> it must be in the game. So stop what you're doing and get this one in the game. <laughs> Whatever your other priorities were, they're now superseded by my whims. <laughs> You must have that all the time. Like you must have had that during rock band. Just like, <coughs> anyone, I know I did it a number of times. I would just I am you before we probably even met in person. I would I am you and be like, Have you considered this band, sir? Like yes. Well, no, months that's, ago that's already. That's the best part. I'm like one of forty people who are like emailing Eric <laughs> yeah. about like no, what. It, it's good though because um, 
among, amongst all Alex's crazy ideas, there's occasionally a good one in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, the, the reason this happens, not just with me, but with lots of people here, is like just points to how passionately mm -hmm. people feel about this stuff and like, why these games are so powerful. It's like, you know, like music stirs up incredible emotions in people. Yeah. yeah. And we're right at that cross section of incredibly passionate gamers mm -hmm. and incredibly <laughs> passionate music fans. And that sweet spot is like, that's right where Rock Band lives. Sure does. Um, I've heard uh, some stories, Eric, that, that you had it, on multiple occasions remarked, over my dead body would that artist <laughs> show up in rock band. I, I, I might have jokingly said that once, but now it's became a legend. So my, my grouchiness I've, has I feel legend. like I've seen it stenciled on your office door. Okay. So at, the, at our next holiday party, when you've had too much to drink, I want to find out which artist you were talking about. <laughs> I'll tell you after the podcast. I already know who Aaron's referring to. I know who too. <laughs> Has that softened at all? Like, do you feel like over time that you got more comfortable, like letting, like, it, like branching out from your musical snobbishness? As, oh yeah. As you put it? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's I've been defeated and I'm just giving up now. <laughs> or no, no. Uh, I've been I'm more accepting now than I was before. Yeah. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like there was. There had to have been a good balance there where you would be able to put out like a Big Dipper three pack right. or a Mission of Burma. So, three so I'll tell you what, what's awesome is that we did so much DLC that that gave a lot of room to do, you know, we went after the giant hits, you know, and stuff like that, that we knew that we're going to sell like crazy. But that sort of afforded us to, to sometimes put out the, the you know, um, the other side, which we knew wasn't really going to sell, but as a whole package, it made the whole DLC store and the whole. Thing, a good collection of curated mm -hmm. type of things. So, sure. and one of the nice things about our job being uh, interfacing with the community all the time is we would hear stories every single day of like people being exposed to those bands for the first time. It's like, oh, I went out and bought the album. I loved it so much. Like that was pretty cool to hear. Like, I'm sure Big Dipper got some new fans. <laughs> oh yeah, or I mean, even people like you know Pixie Super fans. Sure, who yeah. Never would have thought that you know their favorite album from their favorite band would ever show up yep. and this huge kind of like monolithic music game. Well, I think the two favorite things that I always love hearing from anyone is that, hey, I discovered this new band through Rock Band and I'm going to, I'm now a big fan. Mm -hmm. Or, or the, the, the bigger one, I learned to play drums in Rock Band and then I went and bought myself a kit and now, yeah. I, now, yeah. I, now I play in some small little band with my sister and, and we mm -hmm. have a great time. That, that's totally awesome. That's exactly what we, I think, try to do with our music. Yeah. The first trip I took here... Well, I don't think you went, but it was with Alex Navarro and Drake. We went to NAM, which is the musical uh, manufacturers conference. And those are hardcore, like those are guitar salesmen. And like we were set up with this plastic guitar game in the middle <laughs> yeah, of the Fender go? booth. <laughs> and everyone who came, well, sorry, I, I should, not everyone. So like half and half, half the people that came would be like, oh, what? why would people play this? Just go buy a real guitar. And we've heard this since Rock Band came out. But then every other person would be like a guy who owns a, a guitar center in like Tulsa. And he's like, I've seen guitar sales go up by like 200% since this came out. Thank you. Awesome. And that was always so cool to hear. Like, yep. no, it doesn't teach you to play guitar, but it, it makes you want to learn guitar, yep. which mm -hmm. I, I always thought was super cool. I think that was the trick. You got a guitar signed by Yngwie Malmsteen. We first we had to we had to perform. He demanded. He Ingve <laughs> set up a, an autograph booth. Again, we're in the middle of the Fender booth, which is huge. They have hundreds of beautiful, amazing guitars surrounding us, 
and Ingve would show up to do a, an autograph session, sets up his autograph table right next to the rock band stage, and he sent his handler over to tell us to play his songs for him <laughs> as he signed autographs. Nice. It was, it was something else. Uh, the picture he was signing was him on top of a Lamborghini, too. Classic. Sounds about right. Classic. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, so even now, seven years later, do you guys still play Rock Band? I do. I play Rock Band 3 regularly still. You have a, a, a vicious rivalry with your brother, I've heard. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yes. It has nearly destroyed the family on <laughs> <laughs> many occasions. We both take the game very seriously. We're like we we're score chasers on both uh, guitar, bass, and, and drums. So who's in the lead? Um, well, interestingly, um, uh, the last I checked, uh, so he's a real world guitarist, and I'm a uh, and I'm a real world sort of hack drummer. And interestingly, he actually has higher sort of aggregate scores on drums than I do, and I have slightly higher aggregate wow. scores than he does on on guitar. Huh. Uh, but uh, um, I think he may, he may barely have the edge, but that story's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you're in like a party setting and you have to play together? Oh, in a party setting, we're all drinking. And it's not about the score in the party setting. We're just drinking, having fun, and oh, singing and playing and, and having a blast. It's, it's, to this day, it's, like, uh, it's an awesome game to play at parties. Um, when we're score chasing, oh, oh we're like... Sober and dead serious. <laughs> uh, and speaking of the, the fun of playing it, I actually want to ask, what was the, the, the first E3 like with Rock Band? That was awesome, actually. I mean, also terrifying. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, we announced it on stage with Microsoft, actually, and the, you know, the head of Xbox at the time, Peter Moore, was on stage with us and performing. There was, like, the famous incident where he <laughs> paused, the, paused the song midway through by accidentally yeah. hitting the pause button. Right. But <laughs> it, was, it was super fun. I mean, like, pl- actually playing the rock band instruments, playing the game on stage in front of, like, a huge crowd through a huge sound system, like, felt really real real in a way that was completely ridiculous. And it was just, it was, like, an exciting moment. And then we actually, the game won Game of Show that year, you know, which was, like, a huge, you know, we similarly, like, went into the show kind of terrified about how people would react, and it was really... Were you in the uh, main hall at that point? <clears throat> no, no, we were... Uh, well, that was the summer where, like, E3 had got there was no main hall. E3 had gotten broken into this, like, this weird patchwork of, yeah. like, mini venues spread all around Santa Monica. So we were in, like, some, like, little room. Yeah, it's where the uh, the art gallery is now, where they have, like, the key art that's been nominated. We're, like... Um, oh, uh, Into the Pixel. The, the Into the Pixel, yeah, the Into the Pixel showcase. We had Rock Band set up, I think, on maybe three small kiosks uh, <laughs> at the time. But, I mean, we had, like, an hour-long line all weekend long. So I actually have to sign off. Yes, I think we all do. Quite all right. Um, I think uh, before we left, we wanted to talk a little bit about what the future might hold for Rock Band. Uh, you had mentioned uh, a number of times now, you know, kind of starting off with PAX East, talking about how um, harmonics is still not done with Rock Band. It still means an awful lot to us and, um, you know, very much part of the cultural DNA of the studio. Um, do we want to give people, like, a little bit of a, a sneak peek about what the future might hold for Rock Band? No, Aaron. <laughs> All right. Oh, but thanks for asking. <laughs> All right. We'll have to try again at a later episode. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. It's a long